really easy to see, oh, I'm not meant to be like Saul, I'm meant to be like David. That's not the leader to be. He's the leader to be. No, first of all, to, 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 to become a leader, you need to be a follower of the right leader. And so here's an illustration of the right and the wrong leaders to follow. Um, first of all, uh, in the story, you'll see that the people's leader is paralyzed. Israel had asked for a king, and, and so God gave them Saul. And, uh, and, and, and you find them at the beginning of chapter 17 paralyzed. They're, uh, they're, uh, the Philistines are on one side of the Valley of Elah. It's a great... Well, you could spend ages here, but we won't. The Valley of Elah. And on the other side, they have assembled to do battle. And on the other side, the, the, the verb is... They've kind of come together. It's a passive verb. Um, uh, they, they've, they've gathered on the other side. And there's no active leadership by Saul. They're simply standing on the other side. And... Uh, the Philistines put forward Goliath, their champion. And for 40 days, their champion Goliath delivers a verbal battering. Now, he was huge. I think he was ugly, but it doesn't say he was ugly. But, uh, you know, just think of uh, some of those uh, rugby players that were playing yesterday or today. But, sorry, that's a bit rude, isn't it? So, uh, but in, in verse, verse 8, you know, t- tells you something about him. Um, uh, he, you know, he's, he, he's, he's got a, an armor, you know, he's, he's, he, he, you know, everything about him is impressive. And he says in verse 8, dominating their world, he says, I, am I not the Philistine? That's the literal translation of verse 8. Am I not the Philistine and are you not slaves of Saul? I know who I am. Look at you, who are you? Choose a man to fight me. And of course the man should have been Saul, but it wasn't. Both he and the whole army were dismayed and terrified by what they saw. Um, Somebody put it like this, every day Goliath brutality dominated their world. Goliath was the pole star around which everyone lived. Look at the way he is described with his armor. And the effect of this is that he warps, cripples, and debases the Israelites' minds and imaginations. And you know that because as the story, that dribbles down to everybody. So uh, when uh, Jesse sends David to the front with food in verse 27, verse 28, where we stopped, Eliab is his, is his older brother, the you know, big, tall Eliab. And, uh, and Eliab sees David, and uh, he burns with anger at David. Now, why is he burned with anger at David? It's reflected, isn't it? You know, because he is under Goliath's spell, he just reflects it all back. So Goliath is giving his invective. Eliab is hearing it, and he's just passing it on, onto, onto David. There's another one who is dominated by Goliath. The Goliath spell. What are you doing here? Now, when people say nasty things to you, it's because there's something else that's coming at them sometimes, isn't it? But that's something else. You can think about that. Don't read this wrong. Um, I think they're all understandably failing because we all face enemies that are beyond us. Sin, death, Satan. It's no surprise in verse 11 that they were all dismayed and greatly afraid. 
humanly speaking, the people's leader doesn't work. They're paralyzed. And then God's leader comes. Look where David emerges from. I mean, if you noticed earlier on, verse 12, David came out of Bethlehem in Judah. Oh, that's a little clue. Um, He's an unlikely leader. He appears before Saul and says, you're only a young man. And he wasn't very tall. We know that. Maybe he was skinny. I don't know. But, um, but he's one who knew the Lord. Verse 37, when he's, before, he's, he's brought before um, Saul. And um, Saul says, you know, um, you, you can't possibly do this. He says, well, no. Verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. Um, uh, the, Lord, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. He has the sense of God and God's honor over all. And when he speaks of God's people in verse seven, 27, did you, did you pick that up? He says, we are the army of the living, verse 26. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living gods? <laughs> His mind is filled with God. Now in verse 32, he speaks the gospel to Saul in two little phrases. Let no one lose heart. Let no one be afraid. On account of this Philistine, your servant will go and fight him. Two little phrases. In my old version, it says, fear not, I will fight for you. Now, those words are outrageous, actually. <laughs> and Saul thinks they're outrageous. What do you mean? You're joking. But the gospel of Jesus is also outrageous, isn't it? Let no human heart fail because of, of, of Goliath, says David. That's crazy. But then the gospel is just as crazy. In the face of death and sin and the devil, the gospel of Jesus says, do not be afraid. Fear not. And the second phrase... I will fight for you. And Saul looks at David and says, you? And then we look at Jesus and we say, a saviour on the cross. But David and Jesus say, don't be afraid. I will fight for you. The angels come at the birth of the baby Jesus in Bethlehem. And they, what do they say to the shepherds? Don't be afraid. To you in this town this day is born a saviour he'll fight for you believe it this is God's leader and he's victorious and so gets his stones and gets his sling and he doesn't take Saul's army doesn't do that and he uh, uh, there he is Goliath is charging at him and as I heard somebody once put it beautifully he doesn't say my goodness you're so big, I'm terrified. He says, you're so big, I cannot miss. <laughs> Sends a sling. And when he chops off Goliath's head, what happens to the troops? That's the thing that's really interested me. And uh, so as soon as the head comes off, um, in verse 51, he cut off his head and the sword. And the next one over the page... The men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout. And they pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath. Now the point I'm making very simply here is, in the story of David and Goliath, it's not exactly who we should be and fighting our Goliaths and all the rest of it. 
We have a Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the leader to follow. And if you follow Jesus, you are set free to take risks for him. And the key to leadership, I think, as a Christian, is to have a very large view of Jesus Christ. David is a picture of Jesus. A very large view of Jesus shrinks the view of Goliath. Now, now finally, and I need to stop in just two minutes, there is a leader to be as well, isn't there, here? There is something that we can learn from David. And it is that David um, has what Eugene Peterson calls a prayer-soaked um, imagination. We're the armies of the living God. And that counteracted any fear that he might have felt. Fear is the great neutralizer of faith and the great neutralizer of, of going forward in any sense, in leading and being a leader in your sphere of influence. It's really easy in a council meeting or a team meeting to say you're being prudent when in fact you're avoiding stepping out in faith. You know, humanly speaking, without God's Spirit, we'd all be with Saul on one side of the Valley of Elah trembling because our vision of God has been reduced. We would be like the disciples in the storm when the storm comes up and Jesus is in the boat, but they see the storm and the storm is the thing that they see. And in the story of, of David and Goliath, it hints back to the, um, the choice of David. Don't look as man looks. The Lord looks on the heart. They were looking, making a judgment with their eyes and not making a judgment with what the word of God says. Or the disciples in the storm, they didn't realize who was in the boat. If they'd realized who was in the boat, they'd be all right. We're all called to be influencers and as Christians to share the gospel, to be salt and light. And we need to step up to that and there will be, there will, will be fear. There always is fear. <laughs> if there wasn't fear, then you wouldn't, you know, then there wouldn't be a challenge, would there? But what do you need to do in that? You need to have a large vision of Jesus and step up whenever you are asked to step up. It could be just a small thing. You're asked to help out Sunday school or whatever it is. No, I couldn't do that. Or you're asked to step up at work. I couldn't do that. Why? Because of fear. There's a very famous parable Jesus told of the talents. And uh, faith, not fear, using the talents and not bearing. I don't know if you remember them. Jesus said, uh, here's five to one, and here's two, and here's one. The guy with five, or the person with five, might be a woman, um, made that ten. The person with two made that four. And the person with one buried it in the ground. Do you remember that? Buried it. Thinking that their master was a hard man. You see, it was fear. Somebody once said, if you bury your talents, you show your fear. If you bury your fear, you show your talents. And the way to do that is to follow your leader, let him be large in your mind, in order that you can begin to be using what God has given you in your sphere of influence. Amen.
We're going to sing now, I think. And I think we're going to sing about a shepherd.